0: back to minus 16 with me david lewis i hope you've had yourselves a lovely summer and as we kiss goodbye to summer of 2022 we're heading towards the fall which means tech timber for us in the tech space there's loads to look forward to over the next few weeks and the big event is just around the corner far out the first of apple's possibly two or three events left in 2022 is but days away so join me on minus 16 This time around, once again, is Hartley Charlton. And we're going to talk about everything we expect to find out at next week's Apple event. Well, Hartley, this is uh, becoming something of a a side hustle for you. You're back again. I think this is the third time we've been together now. You must be getting fed up with the sight of me. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be with you. And uh, thank you so much, because I know it's about to be a, a bonkers week ahead of you. So for context for listeners, we're recording this on the Friday evening before Far Out. The ev- invites went out last week, and I think as good a place to start as any, I'm sure you've talked about it ad nauseum, is the invite itself. Now, we all go looking for those little hidden secrets, the Easter eggs, if you will, of the invite. Do you think there was anything they were giving away in the Far Out invite, the ethereal invite that we just saw?
1: Well, I feel quite divided about this, um, because I hear both sides of the debate so frequently. Some people read very heavily into, uh, what the event invites mean and people insist that they mean nothing. Um, on this occasion with the, the starry night that's depicted, um, and the, the far out, uh, headline, you would think that it relates to the rumored satellite connectivity feature. Because when you're far out in the wilderness, you could uh, take advantage of it. Far out in space, it mm. kind of it, it's it's almost too obvious, mm. and that's the that's the the area where I would question it. And maybe it is just the case, um, just like Bloomberg's Mark Gurman says, that it's just the proximity between the event invites going out and the actual uh, date of the event itself. They're just far apart from each other.
0: So of course, although it's actually called Far Out, I think we can equally call it the iPhone event. We all know that's what this first event of Techember yes. is going to be centred around, and we'll be covering that a little bit later on. But I'd just like to know the mechanics of you at Mac Rumors, because I'm sure the listeners realise and understand that uh, you are one of the contributors to Mac Rumors. How does it work out then? Next Wednesday, six o'clock UK. Do you have a kind of a predetermined idea of who's covering what? Because I think you do some work in real time, don't you?
1: Yes, almost everything we're doing um, is in real time. Because it, although we have such a good idea of what to expect, you just can't anticipate the order in which these things will come out. And there's always some wild cards, always some surprises. So we largely um, just see what we can do in real time. And just, you know, some of us just pick something up. Um, while one person's picking something up, someone else can run with the next thing that they announce. And we just have to go like that and be listening and writing at the same time. Which is, is quite challenging. It's not really like anything else that we do, but it's quite fun, um, quite stressful, uh, but it makes it
0: interesting. I will be thinking of you because what, what I'm going to do is write a blog straight after it. So, but I'll have it easy compared to you because I can just sit and take notes through the event and then calmly sit down with a good glass afterwards and write a measured, well, as good as I get anyway, blog. But you're having to do it pretty much live, real time because I think was it on one of your podcasts? I heard you talking about the delay last time on. Feed from Apple. It was a a good sort of four or five minute delay, wasn't it? Yes. What it was, it was that the
1: the live um, uh, version that they were showing actually at Apple Park was a couple of minutes ahead. So the news outlets that had been invited to WWDC were able to post things just you know a a minute or so sooner. So it was quite annoying seeing that come in on Twitter at the same time.
0: You couldn't Uh, react to it.
1: So we we try and get. You know, the fastest feed that we can, because sometimes YouTube is a little bit quicker. Sometimes Apple's own feed is a bit quicker, or you can strip out some of the code from the website mm-hmm. and try and get to the fastest version. Um, that sounds, but that sounds you know, cunning, w-
0: stripping out code. My ears pricked up to that. I think I'll be getting an email it, from you. It's, it's, on. <laughs> it's,
1: it's only, it only gives you, you know, a couple of seconds advantage because the page isn't trying to load everything else that's
0: normally on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately everyone's pretty much in the same boat. What platforms does MacRumor report on during the event though? No, you're going to obviously the website. I'm writing live yeah, so blog posts we'll there.
1: So we'll have blog posts going up for each individual announcement that's significant, but we'll also have a live blog which will deliver line by line a breakdown of what's going on with images, mm-hmm. which is quite handy, you know, if maybe you're at work and you can't actually watch the event, uh, you can just, you know, read, read a, a, a live feed of it. And we also do that on Twitter as well. So there's uh, there's plenty of different ways to keep up with
0: what's going on. And of course, it gives us the column inches for weeks to come as well.
1: <laughs> it's been, I'm yes. sure... Well, then then un- the real work starts after the event because then you've got to dig through all of the, all of the little morsels of information or read well, all yeah. the small print.
0: Because when I read... Well, not so much also your tweets because it's so limited on characters. When I read you, as I regularly do on, on Mac Rumours, it's the detail that you guys go into. That's the real devil of what you do, having to be accurate. And, re- and I can tell the amount of research that goes into the, into writing those. It is intense, isn't it?
1: Yes, it can be. It can be. I, I think I'm, I'm quite a sort of stickler for attention to detail, so it, shows, it, it, but it's it, good it suits read. me to do mm. that. Um, but it's it makes it quite compulsive to just tr- try and find you know the the little thing that Apple's trying to hide you know what is it with the chips that they're the not saying what is it with the, the batteries yeah. they're not saying uh, and then you know you're waiting for the teardowns of devices as well um, who who's going to be first to actually open these devices up and show us what the battery capacities are mm-hmm. it's it, it's sort of waiting in the week after and then of course review units come out. Do you um, get review so units you're here for reviews as well? For
0: first impressions? I mean I don't know how it works in Mac rumours. I know having sp- God, I've always, I've spoken to the three of you now, it's you Sammy and Dan and I am aware that Dan gets review units most of the time. Um but do you get review units in the UK too? No, no, we don't. We Apple is not a huge fan of uh, of Mac rumors, unsurprisingly. I so I've gathered that. But the odd thing that's been said, um, it's kind of like right, we've got to stop the record there. Make sure to take that bit out if you don't mind. I think both Sammy and Dan well, said, "Can you edit that bit out?" <laughs> We have a more
1: reciprocal relationship than you might expect. Um, and their PR, PR department is quite forthcoming about things. Um, but obviously, they don't want to be seen to be giving review units to a company that has previously just based itself around revealing that product, you know, and their, effectively their trade secrets ahead of time.
0: Mm. So, shall we begin to roll our sleeves up and look at what we think? we're getting next week, when I say think, I think the first item on our agenda we can say is a certain, finally, iPhone 14 is going to be released. So let's pull this apart. I mean, if we just link it back to what we opened up the podcast with, with the invite and you mentioned possibly satellite technology. Now, I think most people have got the idea of it by now. And indeed, if I've understood it correctly, it's when you haven't got any cellular coverage, this will kick in enough to give you Coverage to cover send a text or a few characters in an emergency situation using low satellites, and there was also some release by of satellites this week, wasn't there, with T-Mobile? I seem to think in the states. So it all seems to be shoehorning together very well, doesn't it?
1: Yes. So this technology has existed for quite a long time. That's why there was a lot of speculation. The big last-minute rumor, actually, for the iPhone 13 mm. was that the iPhone 13. Have satellite um, communication of one sort or another, and the issue isn't so much the technology and the phones; it's just support because these satellites have to be launched. Apple has to negotiate how this will actually take place because, of of course, Apple doesn't provide the cellular network for the iPhone anyway. So, mm-hmm. would this be this would be contracted out in some way? So, how would that be priced? Would it be part of your cellular plan? Um, and even oh, I hadn't then, thought of that. you, you can, so it would that- be available for us in the UK initially. Uh, it would almost definitely just be US exclusive.
0: So do Apple own the satellites they're going to use this for?
1: We, we're not sure. We know that Global Star, which is a, a major satellite um, company, uh, has a, a partnership that it has negotiated with a big untitled company, which is it must be Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the nature of that partnership is is unclear, but something is going on with it. The, the, the questions remain around how this will actually be implemented and when. So I think if we see it um, next week, I don't think it will be something that happens immediately. I think that Apple will show off the feature and say, this is coming in early 2023, because mm-hmm. I don't think that... The the infrastructure is is there yet? I mean, they
0: would literally have to launch more satellites as well, mm. because presumably it's going to be capacity. If, if there's the, there's going to be a, a need for demand for the service, isn't there? And I mentioned that it was the idea that if you're in an emergency situation, I was set to thinking the other morning. I don't know if it's something you know the answer to or not. Is if you are just in a situation where you've got no cellular coverage, would you be able to send just a random text home to the other half saying? stuck going to be 15 minutes late or will it only be for emergency messages?
1: I think that's the other the other open question. We know that Apple is quite focused on limiting how this feature will be used, so there'll mm-hmm. definitely be a character limit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may well just be that it's only for major incidents, reporting mm-hmm. emergencies and that you can only, you know, contact emergency services. But then you wonder, you know, if your car breaks down in the middle of nowhere, you don't need emergency services, you need recovery. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should be able to contact anyone.
0: So of course The lineup has been pretty much uh, known for a while now that we're losing the Mini. There's going to be four phones in the lineup, two screen sizes only. And it seems that the hot ticket is going to be the 14 Max, isn't it? Which is for the first time, it's going to be the largest screen available on an iPhone for under just under £1,000. That sounds to be like the hot ticket, I would have thought, because everyone wants a large screen. And suddenly you've got a phone that looks like the, the Pro and the Pro Max, but at a slightly discounted price.
1: Well, you'd think it would be the most popular. I would agree. You know, Apple knows that the direction is going towards bigger screen sizes, mm. and they're providing something now for people that just simply want to consume more content, but they don't need a, a telephoto camera lens. They don't need a ProMotion display. They probably don't even know what a ProMotion display is, those sorts of customers. They just want a, big, a bigger phone. Mm. So mm. it's perfect for that. The, the issue is this device will be more limited at launch. Um, because they've had problems manufacturing the display, so they will be in short supply, um, and that may impact quite how many of them we, we see around in the first
0: month or so. I was reading only this morning, actually, that China—sorry, uh, no, India—are still behind on China's output. So I think I, I assume that Apple were looking for a certain amount of units from both facilities, and it seems that India is still playing catch up, although they are catching up now. So I don't know if it's going to be a case to fire out where they announce all of the phones, but say, right, it's only, say, the, the 14 and the 14 Pro, or sorry, the 14 and 14 Max are available now, and then the Pro phones a fortnight down the line. I don't know quite how hit they're going to still be by these supply issues.
1: I think this year will be nothing like it was in 2020. 2020 was very chaotic. You know, Apple had what was it? Three events toward the end of the year. Mm. There were no iPhones in September, and then when they did announce them, uh, they trickled out gradually in two separate waves. This year, we're expecting to see all of the models at one time. Um, and Apple's done quite well at mitigating the supply issues they've had. So they've been hiring more people into the factories for six months. Um, In preparation, they've been telling their suppliers to make more components than they actually need and just stockpile them so that they are really prepared. It's just this 14 Max model because it's a new model. It needs a bit more tooling, Mm -hmm. um, and they've had some more issues with those displays. And insofar as uh, India is concerned, that's coming on stream a little bit later because the latest iPhone has never been produced um, in India right off the bat. So they're still, you know, ramping up the infrastructure to be able mm. to do that. And so it's just a few months behind.
0: Because they bought that on board because of the severe shortages we've been having post COVID, didn't they? They brought the India facility up to speed. They knew they needed more production space. And so they ramped up their yeah. Indian production. So are you the kind of guy that updates yearly? Uh, obviously you're in the business, you're in the trade. I know it would want you to, but equally it's a lot of money out of the bank account. So do you will you be upgrading this year? Because I've been looking at it and I'm still on a twelve and I'm I'm not convinced, given that hopefully USB-C is coming to iPhone next year, I'm given to sort of jump this year out myself and just wait. I think
1: it's sort of each to their own with upgrading iPhones. I used to be someone that upgraded every year. Um, Mm -hmm. My first iPhone was uh, an iPhone 5, and I had every subsequent iPhone. The iPhone 13 was the first time I didn't do that. Right. because i think the 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 pace on the how 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 worthwhile these upgrades are um has definitely reduced mm-hmm. so this year two years for me i will be ready oh. to upgrade
0: right okay um, and what have you got your eyes on where will you be going for the one of the pros
1: yes i will be going for the just the standard 14 pro mm-hmm. um, and i'm actually not too happy about it because <laughs> i find uh, it's a little bit too big it's it's oh, sort really of beyond that sweet spot for me i yeah. i love the size of the iphone 11 pro and the iphone 10 Mm-hmm. It was just uh, 5.8 inches instead of 6.1, just a little bit smaller. And it was, the, it was the perfect size for me. So now I sort of, I reluctantly will buy it. But, you know, what what can you do?
0: Well, if you're getting the Pro, then that means, and I segue me neatly into the front of the phone's redesign for the pill and punch. Although now this latest raft of last minute rumors, you're nodding, you obviously know what I'm about to say. It looks like it's all changed. It's going to be just one cutout, doesn't it? As opposed to the two that we've been having rumors of for the last good few months so is that something that does the notch concern you on your phone it's not something i've ever given a greatest amount of thought i must say
1: no i have to say it's it's never bothered me i people always have complained that it's ugly or that it's inelegant i actually think it's a pretty elegant solution mm, for getting mm. around that it pushes the display to the edges um, i was concerned about what they were doing with the the pill and the hole punch because it seemed to protrude further down into the the display. Mm -hmm. And because they were awkward shapes, I thought it would be more intrusive. I'm actually a bit relieved now about um, a more symmetrical pill, because I think it will be less intrusive.
0: It does look much nicer.
1: Is they're integrating it with software directly into the OS. So the actual, uh, the notch or the pill, whatever it ends up being being called, it will sort of be part of your interaction with the system now, Mm -hmm. um, which may help justify its presence a little bit more.
0: And are there any other features you're particularly looking forward to on the 14?
1: Uh, for me, I'm actually really interested in the, the 48 megapixel rear camera. camera. That was um, the thing
0: that nearly pulled me in,
1: nearly. Yes. Um, and the Particularly, I, you take a lot of uh, video with your iPhone, don't you? I do, I do. And we're expecting 8K video recording, which could be very useful for videographers because even if you can't use 8K video, um, you can crop in. So it lets you... Uh, it it makes your video a bit more dynamic. And with a much bigger sensor, the video that comes out of this device should be more different um, to the video that's come out of any previous iPhone
0: years. I know from having spoken to you a couple of times that you've got a bit of a background in videography. I know you did some work in uni. You were part of association with cinematography. I know it's just a big passion of yours, full stop. So you now, we're going slightly off topic here, but I'm going to just use this position of talking to you to convince me what to do. So I just said I'm probably going to miss on the 14. The reason being, I thought I'd buy myself my first camera. I was thinking of getting a Canon. Never done, never used a camera, never touched one. So it'd be a nightmare. I'll be on YouTube every living moment of the day and night trying to find out how to set it up and use it. So do you think I could effectively, because the money's about the same, roughly speaking, for a secondhand Canon I'm looking at to an iPhone. If you were sitting here with me now, where would you lead me to? That's very difficult to say because the the results
1: you get out of um, a real professional camera and the ability to change lenses, mm-hmm. um, it does lead to a more cinematic appearance. It just does. Mm-hmm. Um, but the iPhone is getting there. You know, The iPhone 13 introduced cinematic uh, video mode, mm-hmm. which lets you um, rack focus and blur the background and then blur the foreground or vice versa, mm-hmm. which is something that previously you could only do on a real camera. Now, it is still a little bit hazy on the iPhone 13, and iOS 16 actually refines that a little bit more. I think uh, at this point, if you haven't already got your hands on a camera, I'd say give the iPhone a go. Um, I think it, it's it's more effortless. You've got three lenses to choose from on the back, and actually there are some great other options that you can use to attach lenses to get other effects. You can still use filters. You can mm-hmm. still use um, you know Moment uh, is a third party accessory maker, and you can screw on things like an anamorphic lens to get a, a cinematic, cinematic look. Cinematic look, yeah. Um, and so th- there definitely is a growing space for the iPhone actually being uh, practical for videography.
0: I've seen a lot more videos on YouTube with people, you know, filmmakers. Uh, Brian Tong, I was listening to his podcast this week, and he'd had somebody on that was well, I think Andrew Su or Andrew Tu, well known for making videos and in in cinema grade movies from the iPhone. The one thing that still concerns me, though, particularly if we're moving towards 8K, is just the getting the files off. At the moment, the only the effective way I can find is via a lightning cable through image capture. AirDrop just doesn't work because I use the Filmic Pro app, so I'm shooting in 10-bit, and you know files can easily be over 10 gigs to come off the phone, and they're just slow. And I'm just wondering if Apple have thought, I, I don't know how they're thinking about getting getting these files from the phone into the Mac.
1: And especially with ProRes video now, which is that those files are very big. This was mm. the justification behind offering iPhones with one terabyte of storage. Mm. Um, it's all very well it being on the phone, but the transfer is an issue, and that's ultimately why they will have to give it USB-C. Mm. This year, will they do anything to, to sort that out? They could, I suppose, theoretically introduce a variant of Lightning that does work over USB 3.1 instead of USB 2, which is why it's so slow, um, but... It's it's kind of an interim thing until
0: until mm. next year, Exactly, yeah. It's going to be sitting tight, isn't it? So, so that's iPhone. Kind of, oh, and of course, it's the always-on display as well. That's the other big feature yes. that everyone's really looking forward to getting their hands on and seeing how that looks.
1: Well, with iOS 16's redesigned lock screen, it will mm-hmm. be very interesting to see how that really comes into it, because that's really what the the redesigned lock screen was about. Um, not that they could say it at the time, but it's, it's pretty clear that those complications It will work like an Apple Watch effectively. An Apple Watch is always on display.
0: Hartley, your, honestly, your style and the way you've led that conversation around. My next topic was to be Apple Watch. You've done the work for me. So I think we've kind of uh, dealt with everything that we know about with, with iPhone. So Apple Watch, we're assuming, is going to be the other big release of the event next week. And we now know that pretty much that what was going to be the rugged is almost certainly going to be called the Apple Watch Pro, which kind of fits in that moniker, fits in nicely across their range. We're going to get the 8, of course, and the SE as well. So there's going to be three watches. The Apple stores, I think, are going to be making quite a big push. uh, It's something I picked up on today. They're going to be having more features in store. I think it was actually Sammy that wrote about it. Um, So they're obviously making a big play of Apple Watch this year. Uh, I think it's going to be my first Apple Watch. I've never owned one, so I think I'm going to jump in. With the Pro then, um, I'm assuming they're kind of going after the Garmin market to some extent with that device.
1: To some extent. The, the, the issue is I believe this device is replacing what was the Apple Watch Edition, which was uh, an Apple Watch that was identical to the standard Apple Watch, but just with a titanium casing, mm-hmm. which was more appealing because it's lighter and more uh, durable. It also comes with an extra watch band in the box and has a bit more fancy packaging, but mm, that's basically, basically what it is. Um, the issue is, is that that isn't enough to appeal to enough people, and they have never sold particularly well the Apple Watch Edition models, as far as we know. They used to be made of solid gold, the casings, so that they, they, those sales of those fizzles out in two weeks. Is that the
0: $18,000
1: version? Yes, yes, that's right. I fell so off this is the first range
0: read
1: <laughs> yeah, the the range has always been in a in a strange place because you're you're selling a luxury watch to a market uh, that wants a, a timepiece that will last when mm. an Apple watch obviously won't. So now what they're doing is they're they're realizing that they can appeal to several groups of people. They can appeal to people that want a luxury uh, product made out of some slightly more luxurious materials. Um they can also appeal to athletes. And people that are very focused on fitness and need something that is more, um, more able to keep up with uh, displaying metrics and providing a longer battery life for um, you know long-lasting workouts and endurance training, and also people that need more durability, um, which could be maybe if you're hiking, people that play a lot of contact sports, um, or even you know construction workers that uh, are working with a lot of dust and. In in challenging environments like that. Mm. So it's kind of, they've realized that they can't just appeal to the luxury market. So that this Apple Watch is sort of a strange thing in that it's appealing to a a broader group of people.
0: And price point wise, we're pretty sure, again, it's going to be around about that $1,000 kind of price point, aren't we? So it's a a high end item. Certainly for a watch, it's a very high end price item. And I'm assuming there'll be not many other features, as far as I'm aware, available on the watch. More rugged, squarer?
1: Yes. So its its features partly will come as a result of its design. Mm-hmm. So th- there won't be anything materially different in terms of the chip, in terms of the health features. All these things will be the same. But because the, the display is expected to be flat and embedded inside the casing, um, flush with the casing, a bit like the iPhone 12's design, um, that will protect the glass better, which means it will be much more durable. Obviously, the titanium is more durable. And also, because the casing will be bigger, we're expecting it to be about 47 millimeters in height, which is uh, two millimeters more, which may not seem like uh, very much, but that gives them a little bit more space for a slightly larger battery as
0: well. Because everyone seems to be saying at the moment, how much bigger can a watch go? 47 millimeters on the wrist, that's quite a sizable watch face, isn't it?
1: Yes it will be and without the rounded design the display will be um, noticeably bigger as well it will just mm-hmm. look bigger on the wrist because it will look uh, more aggressive with those those uh, with those flat edges uh, so you'll get the longer battery life um, you'll fit oh, get because a there's a, a low power mode as well isn't there there's a low power mode coming yes. to apple Watch. that will also come to the series 8 mm-hmm. but the larger battery in the pro will help it go a little bit further during workouts um, and the display being slightly bigger will fit more on, and I'm sure they will find some way to explain how in watchOS that will uh, you know, somehow make it more useful in work ads if you can see more metrics. So there will be minor enhancements um, in these various areas, but there's nothing that's uh, a game-changing new health feature, say, that is not present on the, the other Apple Watch models.
0: And, of course, the big feature coming is the body temperature sensor. We're pretty certain now is coming to Apple Watch 8 and, of course, through the whole range as well. And they, I know they're keen to say that this isn't going to give you the actual temperature. It seems that Apple's whole positioning here with wearable health gear is to very much guide you to say that you've got an upward trend of temperature. It's worth taking a proper reading and then seeking medical advice. I don't think they want to get into that quagmire of being seen as giving medical advice. This is just trying to help you to be ahead of the trend, isn't it? Ahead of the curve a little.
1: Yes, I think that's, that's exactly it. And it's so difficult for them to get regulatory approval for these things in the first place. Mm. And I think they know they don't want to give people hypochondria and have people checking their exact temperature constantly every single time they're, they're not well. Um, so it's, it's, it's very difficult. We know they've been having a lot of problems developing the health sensor technology for the Apple Watch um, because there's only so much information you can get from the back of your, your wrist. Um, because it's on the same technology, w- of course, isn't it? Yes, um, and when, when you're looking at non-invasive technology for things like blood glucose, blood alcohol, that's very advanced technology that just isn't there yet, and it's very algorithmic, mm. um, and it's very dependent on external conditions. You know, with a body temperature sensor, what what if you're wearing that um, as it was, uh, you know, a month ago here in the middle of a heat wave? Is that going to affect the reading that it's 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 giving me for my body temperature? Um, Which logically, why
0: you kind of think it has to have an effect, wouldn't you?
1: Yes, and so that's that's why it's supposedly taken them so long, and that's unfortunately why it won't uh, do very much. This temperature sensor, I think a lot of people are actually going to be quite disappointed with it, because everyone will see it advertised as a body temperature sensor. People are imagining one is coming, but then you get it, and it won't tell you if you've got a fever, and it won't tell you your body temperature.
0: Now, unfortunately, I guess because you and I spend a lot of time reading, we kind of have got a fairly good steer of where it's going. But I'm guessing a lot of people will pick up in the news, oh, it tells the temperature. Go and buy a watch and then be disappointed when it's not telling you your 90 whatever degrees. And, and they're going to say, well, look, you know, I thought it was going to tell me my temperature. But of course, it, it won't, you know. So I don't know if people will be slightly unhappy when they find out that's the case, although we know what's coming. But I think with Apple Watch, they're kind of a position now, design wise, there's not an awful lot more. That they can do. It's all going to be to do with software, and as you say, clearing regulatory hula hoops, and that's a odd word. Sorry, regulatory traps, and uh, bringing more and more health uh, health wearable features to the watch. But I don't think there's an awful lot more they can actually do with the style of the watch itself. Is there?
1: Yes, unless they make it look more like the Pixel Watch and give it a round design, which they're never going to do.
0: No, why
1: would Um, they? It's, it's health is really the only way they can expand the, the watch. Battery technology uh, is not there to be able to give it a longer battery life. It's why you, the Apple Watch has been a fairly boring product in Apple's mm. product line every year. The, the upgrades are small. There's usually one small thing a year, which is why it's typically hard to upgrade the Apple Watch every year. We were talking about whether it's worth upgrading the phone every year. That's an open question because you've got a range of new features. Uh, the Apple Watch, You're getting, at best, one new thing a year. Last year was the new design. Uh, The year before that was blood oxygen. The year before that was always on display. The year before that was uh, larger display sizes and a new casing. So it's just typically one main thing a year. And what watch is it that you wear? I still have an Apple Watch Series 6. uh, And
0: your temperature changes you?
1: I'm tempted to change this year because for me, two years is enough. I want that series seven design. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, that design, um, also just a fresh battery inside the device would be really nice. Have you noticed Um, any
0: deterioration in your battery? Yes,
1: I have. Um, And I think the Apple Watch feels it a lot more. Um, It's something you're constantly away having to take off to to charge. And I I use mine for sleep tracking as well. Oh, right. um, Okay. Which means that I'm a lot more aware of that, and I would like to be able to take advantage of the fast charging that debuted with the Apple Watch Series Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for me, when you add the temperature sensor on top of that, and maybe the low power mode, that's enough for it's me enough. overall. So, just
0: about. <laughs> so, we said that it's expensive time coming up for you as well. Then, yes, watch, it will be. watch, and phone. Oof. Don't envy you. Um, So we've kind of said early on that this is the first of certainly two events, possibly even three events before the end of the year. And the way that I understand it is this event will be very much centred clearly around the phone and the watch kind of works very much in tandem with the phone. And then later in the year, we're expecting Mac and iPad. But assuming that it is watch and iPhone next week at Far Out, the other product that I think would fit in very well is possibly if they do refresh AirPod Pro and come out with the AirPod Pro 2. Now, I know there's been a fair bit written about it recently, and after three years, it sounds like that's due for a refresh, doesn't it? Particularly if they're able to get lossless audio somehow into them.
1: Yes, so the uh, AirPods Pro are the oldest device that's still on sale from Apple. That's what you're wearing now, out, right? Uh, no, these are the uh, third generation third AirPods. Gen. They look very similar. They do, um, yeah. I was just trying to look at the stems. Uh, so they uh, they are the now the oldest Apple device that is the current generation device that is still on sale from 2019. Mm. And um, they, they are sorely in need of this refresh. I agree with you completely. It makes perfect sense to show those off alongside the new iPhone and Apple Watch because works, Apple Watch is wearable. The AirPods are also classified as a wearable. Um, they're very mainstream products. So it does make sense, but I don't think we're going to see them, unfortunately. Oh, you don't because- think so, no? No, because I, uh, from what we understand about when these things are shipping, uh, it will be between October and December, if they're correct. Right. Um, And they wouldn't, they're unlikely to reveal the new AirPods, but then not ship them for a month, um, because they wouldn't be able to sell any AirPods for a month. And they have, they did that with the Apple Watch last year. They announced it and then shipped it a month later. So they could still do that.
0: Um, And of course, I I did have a wry smile on my face, something I was checking out this week. a convert to them as much as i've got headphones around me left right and center the airpods are just so convenient to use and the sound is good enough to to not worry me during a course of an average day but it sounds like they're going to release airpods pro 2 this year still with lightning then next year then suddenly put USB C on the case which is very clever because suddenly at that price point 300 300 pounds people will be tempted to think oh i could do just having one cable on and They might well change again. So as as ever, Apple are very canny in how they position and market things, aren't they?
1: Oh, yes. And we think that what they will do is the actual AirPods Pro 2 won't be any different when they get uh, USB-C. What they will do is they will simply do what they did when they added MagSafe to AirPods Pro, and they will sell you a separate case. So you will probably have two (laughs) AirPods Pro cases, one of which you won't use and you'll have to pay twice.
0: Yeah, that will be me, almost certainly, to get rid of lightning cables. You know, As we've all said, it's, I've got one staring at me right now, and it's just that extra cable you don't need around for any other reason. But uh, yeah, so it seems that every... The, 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 I know it's on our last time together, we spoke about the uh, global demand now coming in for USB-C to be the universal charger on all small handheld electrical devices. Apple, I think, have acquiesced to that. They understand it's coming, so they're just pushing it down the road as far as they can to the fall of next year, which I think is when all the legislation really kicks in. Did the European legislation ever get ratified? I know it's at the point of just yes, it is now. It's, it's it done. should
1: be. Uh, it should be coming into law. Um, the the EU law is a is a is a very uh, it's a very hard thing uh, to get your head around with lots of lots of phases, and so a lot of them are uh, sort of. Uh, purely ceremonial, and it has to go through a lot of different hurdles uh, for it to be fully approved. But they're, they're going for Apple at the moment on, mm. on all fronts, mm. um, and that's why I think Apple knows that they've they've got to do it um, by next year. So they, they, they'll, they should be okay um, because there's more than enough justification with it across. It will be all iPad models will be USB-C by the end of the year. Um, of course, is a new Mac iPad did. coming out with, with USB C? Yes, the tenth generation iPad yeah. should be USB C, uh, and obviously the uh, the Mac is all USB C. And so, when as we were talking about before, when you're transferring big video files from the iPhone and they're trying to sell it to you as a pro camera, it's it's the last natural thing uh, mm. that needs to fall into place.
0: And again, when we were last talking with one another, which is going back a couple of months now, uh, we talked about Stage Manager. Now, I seem to recall you were using it in a beta version at that point, and I think you were quite happy with what you're seeing. Recently, it sounds like the later betas have been very, very buggy. I'm not running it, so this is purely on speaking with the people that I'm lucky enough to chat to on here. But it sounds like the latest betas have been awfully problematic with Stage Manager.
1: I found the first version was quite buggy. But I think that the issue now isn't so much the bugs, it's just the implementation itself. Um, I've got quite used to it now, and I would be fine with it um, if this is how it was. But I completely understand the problems that people have with it. It's a very strange experience that is very iPad unique. And there are things I like about it. I like the way that um, Windows move across a grid. So you can't make them, you know, the exact pixel height and width you you're used to making them on the Mac. Um, they're sort of like artificial sizes you choose from. Uh, and I like that. But the rest of it feels very clunky to me with regards to dragging apps up to add a new one to a stage. Mm. Um, it, it's sort of a or you can only drag certain corners of the windows. To expand them, and that's arbitrary um, and based on an indicator that changes the corner that it's in. There's no in consistent on- through apps? No, no. Um, and so it, it's almost the equivalent of if the three dots in the top corner of a Mac window changed constantly which side they're on. So it's just a bit odd and a bit confusing. Um, or, for example, when you use it with an external display. Um, you know, if you're using a Mac, you would just drag the window over from, say the the MacBook Pro to the other display. Mm. On the iPad, you have to tap the window and then tap a button to move it to the other display, which feels a lot uh, just a lot more counterintuitive. And so the issues aren't so much the bugs, it's just the implementation of the whole thing needs more refinement to be a more compelling feature.
0: Because, of course, they've just, was it last week or the week before, uh, have just announced they're going to ship iOS, uh, iPad OS later, about a month later than iOS 16, aren't they? They've decided to delay it, which we're assuming is to address some of these issues that they've been finding out about with Stage Manager in particular, I'm guessing. Because, uh, again, I'm, uh, are they shipping Ventura at the same time? Will they... Uh- We're not sure. Ventura and the
1: new macOS updates always come a little bit later. Um, They're always a good month later than iOS 16, so that's a fairly good bet for October. Mm. Um, iPadOS has never been released this far out before, and it will be releasing with iPadOS 16.1. We've we've established the link. (laughs) There we are. Um, uh, So it will be quite a a strange thing to release with a whole... 0.1 0.1 version for the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a month will really be enough for them to really change the experience. I, I'm not sure what that that buys them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a, the, the whole a multitasking experience on iPad is now very strange. You've got slide over, where you bring an app over um, from the right-hand side of the display. You've got split view, um, and then you've got uh, the view of the different spaces, and then you also have now stage manager, which doesn't coexist with those other things very nicely
0: at all. It's almost like they've got their complete history of trying to effectively work out some way of multitasking on the iPad, all still sitting there. They haven't done away with any of them. They're all still there in one exactly. form or another, trying to work. And uh, how cohesive is it on a Mac with stake? Because that's what I overlooked until I spoke with you last time. That of course, Stage Manager is coming to Mac as well. Which I don't, I don't know if I see the need for until I guess I get it on here. I- it's, it's, weirdly, it makes more sense
1: on the Mac. And the way it makes, the, the reason it makes more sense is because it's completely different. I don't right. know why they've called them the same thing um, because they don't behave in the same way. Uh, it, it, on the Mac, it literally behaves like a single Mac window um, that appears in a space that you can then click onto other so-called stages and bring up a different app. And it fades away the desktop. So it provides a more focused experience. right. right. That's all it's doing, which is completely different to what it's doing on the iPad. The mm. only thing they have in common is these four um, so-called stages that you see on the left-hand side. But other than that, they behave completely differently. Um, I, I think I quite like using it on the Mac sometimes. If you're doing something like writing and you want a more uh, a less distracted experience, if you've got a cluttered desktop, it's quite nice to feel like uh, it's just more focused. Cluted, yeah. um, but... Again it's the same thing of they've still got um, all of these other features still on Mac and they don't coexist very nicely um, when you have different spaces that you pull down from the, the the top of the display and with gestures coexisting with stage manager and then exiting stage manager is also a strange thing and then you can't choose what apps are in the, what apps show up on the left hand side with the different stages it's it's a very confusing thing and I think if you were trying to explain this to someone that just has an iPad and just wants to, you know, just use it. They're not very into tech. They just want to use it like a laptop or whatever. You would have a hard time explaining it. Uh, I'm sure I've already confused your, your listeners that uh, have not uh, used Stage Manager. Well, the, the iPad sounds, it.
0: It sounds really confusing. I was trying. To, there's about four different options now to effectively multitask.
1: Yes, and they all don't work that well.
0: Is it just uh, lost just- now, iPad? Has it lost its way of what it's trying to be?
1: I think uh, I think that I will say this, and this is a, a positive note to sort of close stage manager, mm, as a stage manager as mm, a topic. Mm. Is um, I think they're on the right lines. Right. I think that the the, the, the logic behind um, going in a new direction with multitasking um, that is not just putting macOS Windows on an iPad and is not just the very basic split view and slide over we've been used to makes perfect sense. Um, and it does feel, when it works and it's working well, it does feel like something that is more modern and more futuristic and would make sense on a headset, would make sense on a new class of devices. So I like that element of it. So it's it may be lost now, but in three years of iteration, I think this will be a,
0: a great experience. It's laying the right framework now at long last. Yes. So we we said, <laughs> the notification's yeah, yeah. coming through. So um, we, we we now, I think we are sort of fairly certain of what we're getting next week. And do you think there will be one or two more events this year? They've got a lot of products. I mean, famously, of course, the the elephant in the room is the Mac Pro. That's the big one. Now, that can't be done on a press release. Yes, it's a very high end niche product, but it's core to Apple. It's very important to them to have that high end machine there for the most professional of people. That's got to be an event. So one would assume at least one more event in October.
1: Yes. Um, As far as we know, that's what they have planned, just one more event. Although, who knows, there could be one in November. It all depends on what's ready. Um, Mm. and We're still expecting quite a few products. So There's the iPad 10, which could appear uh, next week. I'm more inclined to believe it will appear next week than I was before, um, providing it's ready. Mm. We've also got new iPad Pro models, Um, two of them obviously, 11 inch and 12.9. We've got the Mac Pro, um, and there might even be some other refreshes. We might see a glimpse of uh, new MacBook Pro models. With new Mac menus. Uh, that's possibly more unlikely. And that would be more like a November event if that happened. But between iPad Pro, AirPods Pro, and Mac Pro, that's enough for an October event.
0: And possibly there's even AirPod Pro Max as well. Wasn't they are they being talked about. Again, I think the Bluetooth technology is talking about possibly being refreshed on that to 5.2, I think. Now, again, all working towards this idea. Somehow, their sound engineers. have worked out a way to get all of that data. I can't understand how they're possibly going to get lossless audio through tiny little Bluetooth connection. It, um, I, I don't understand. I don't think
1: they'll do it with Bluetooth. I think that Bluetooth is simply too limited to do it. Yeah. I think the way they're going to do it is um, by directly streaming it to uh, the AirPods themselves. So it will be more like AirPlay. Right, um, yeah in terms of how it behaves, it might create its own little local network that your device connects to. So it will be a new connection protocol. I mean, you may not know, I expect with AirPods, you won't even be aware it's doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's probably what it will be doing in the background. Um, With regards to AirPods Max, initially at this stage, it probably just looks like it will be a color options refresh. Apple seems to be working on one lot of AirPods at a time. The last lot was the third generation AirPods because they were the oldest. Next up is the AirPods Pro because they're the next oldest. So the ones after that will be the AirPods Max, um, which by will, could take a year to come out easily. And in the meanwhile, there might just be some refreshed colours.
0: And again, keeping in the audio theme, there's been a lot of heat this recent over the last few months talking about a possible HomePod coming back again. You had yes. a HomePod, didn't you?
1: Yes, I've got quite a few HomePods. The original HomePods, Pods, the
0: full HomePods. Yes.
1: Um, still working? And Yes, uh, or somehow they're still working. Yes, I mean, they, they, they are very temperamental devices uh when they are running uh they've definitely when they've run some software in the past they have definitely been suffering with overheating uh, and they're like a little radiator that i'm surprised that it's still it's still uh, still going uh they have problems with popping uh they don't work with handoff very well but they're still great speakers
0: apparently um, they sound f- vastly superior to, to the mini don't they Yes, I
1: I really like them. And when you you pair two of them in stereo, uh, they're excellent. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a shame that Apple priced them where they did. Um, What they should have done was come out with the Mini first, uh, which is a great price. I think I'm actually surprised they didn't, they didn't charge more for it.
0: Yeah, I, um, actually, I've, I've got three now, and yeah, I'm as much again. I'm an audio and speaker man for average consumption day to day. The convenience of them, particularly things like handoff, I absolutely love. When you're out listening to something on the phone, you can just walk in and pop it straight over. It all of the audio file stuff I, ha- stuff I have around me is beaten by the convenience of just being able to use the speakers. And I missed the AirPod, uh, sorry, the uh, HomePod bandwagon first time around. So I'm really looking forward to if it is released or re-released of trying to get my hands on one this time around. It will definitely be worth
1: it this time because those first generation AirPods, not only were they very expensive, but they are very temperamental, as I say. They they just don't behave in the way that the the Mini does. The Mini is a lot more of a polished experience. Mm. Siri might still not be great, but generally handoff works, AirPlay works. And what you have to remember is that first HomePod, it, re- it released without so many features. It didn't mm-hmm. have voice recognition. It didn't have stereo. It didn't have theater mode. Um, it didn't have handoff. So it, it was a much, much simpler speaker. Um, and it really did not work very well for a very long time. And uh, I mean, at least it still gets updates. Um, oh, it's still receiving updates, time, is it? Yes, it still gets the latest version of the, the HomePod OS, um, the same one that the HomePod mini gets. Mm-hmm. So it still does get better um, each year. But it's it's time to revisit this space, and I'm so pleased that Apple is is going to do that because they when they work and they're paired with a TV or uh, you know they're, they're just playing some music, they do produce a much more room filling sound. You mm. can tell the hardware is fundamentally different. You know, it's doing different things. It's got a chip in it that um, detects where it is in a room. It uses beam-forming microphones and sound waves to detect how close it is to walls, so that it can change the sound dynamically, to, producing uh, the sound. Uh, yeah, uh, to, to account for echo and all of these things, and it really works. Mm. Um, it's, it's such a, a warm, full sound
0: from a speaker that's actually quite small. Mm, but that's the thing, I mean, speakers are clearly always going to be governed by size. The more air you've got around the, 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 the speaker, the, the, more, the richer sound you're going to get. You know, That's certainly where the bass is helped from. If you've got a load more air and space around it, it's all going to be working in its favour. So that's the thing, these speakers are actually already... Hitting above their weight in what they're delivering. I mean, their sound engineers are have always been exemplary, and you know it's a shame they had the problems with the HomePod. And I know the price was part of its downfall, but it sounds like now they realise they were onto a good thing, and they're going to get back to what they were doing best. Yes,
1: I think so, and I think that they know that they made a mistake with that model. Um, Not with the audio technology, because that's perfect. It was with the just purely the software and with the fact that all the rest of the hardware, um, like the, the, uh, it uses Bluetooth to detect what other devices are near, so you can hand off it. it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those are the more fundamental problems, uh, with the device. Um, and the price was the main thing. If they had sold that for, uh, you know, 150 pounds, 175 pounds, I'm sure they would have sold well in spite of their problems, but mm-hmm. starting out at 350 pounds, yeah, it's a premium um, product. I mean, Apple admitted it because they dropped the price to. I think it was within six months, wasn't it? The
0: first year, yeah, yeah, within yeah. six
1: months. Um, yeah. So to drop it to two hundred and seventy was quite a, a big omission. But even mm. that is a lot of money compared to you know just an, an Alexa or a Google Home. That when you get the the more specced up ones, they are still really good speakers. Have you used those? Um, I have seen them, uh, and I have heard audio from them. Uh, I don't have any myself, because mm, so in, the, in the yeah. in the Apple ecosystem, and uh, even you know Sonos, you get I think it's Alexa on on so many Sonos devices now, and Sonos devices are offering a, a really well integrated experience. So, and, and much uh, you know, the, I think the the uh, main HomePod competitor from Sonos is about two hundred pounds, mm. which is much more sensible so than three hundred three hundred and fifty for something you probably want to to take full advantage of it, do you really want to spend
0: a total of £700 on that? Oh, they know how to take our money. And A short while ago when we were rounding off on Stage Manager, you mentioned that you could see it working very well with a headset. Now, of course, that's the one other big one that we know is coming because they've just done some trademark um, marking in the last week They've applied various different trademarks, Reality OS, and Reality One, all sorts. So they're obviously covering their bases and associated companies with Apple. So they're obviously locking down on it, which would make us feel that it's getting somewhere nearer to a lease. Now, again, this is speaking of the uh, HomePods being premium. Clearly, this headset is aimed at a very niche down area of the market. Um, but I'm assuming that that won't be this year, it be early next, would you think?
1: Yes, that's what we're expecting. I mean, there, there's no knowing in terms of when exactly this will come, because when they unveil it, it will be a very long time before people are actually able to buy this. Mm. That's oh, what happened with one the those. Apple
0: Watch. Right, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, because the Apple Watch, they just simply played a video of the watch um, after the event and had a hands-on area. But as a result, it was kept so well locked down that that's actually what was happening at that event. It, there was a small leak the day before, but it was basically not expected. Um, and th- this time there's no knowing. So for all we know, we will see a flash of the headset on, uh, on Wednesday, but I don't think that's going to happen because from what we know, they are heading for an unveiling around January. That will be the time, a yes. dedicated event. They can really get the, 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 the interest around it when there, are, there is nothing else really on show, maybe some small Mac updates, iPad updates, things like that. But the main event will be focused on a headset. And the key thing will be having creators and YouTubers and the media there, there. in the room, mm. get that atmosphere mm. and crucially to go and try it. Because, of course, a new phone, we can get the gist from a video. We can get the gist of an Apple Watch from yeah. a video. Yeah. The headset, you need to hear that firsthand testimony. So they need to have the capacity there. Um, and obviously, that's partly what's what's held it off over the past few years. They can, definitely could have done it a bit sooner, but they've been cautious with in-person events. Um, even this event that they're doing now is not a full-blown in-person event as far as we know.
0: It sounds like it's going to be indoor rather than outdoor this time, though, with the guests.
1: Yes, um, but it's still a little bit more low-key. There still seem to be fewer people attending, and Apple are not explicitly saying that this is an in-person event in the way that Mm. it was. Mm. My theory is that this will be a bit of a hybrid. I think that Tim Cook will come on and introduce the event in the Steve Jobs Theater live, as you'd expect, but I think that a lot more of the event will be pre-recorded than we're used to. It will be more like what we were, it will be a hybrid of mm. how events used to be three years ago and how we've got used to them being
0: now. Because mm, I, I think it was German in his Power On newsletter a couple of weeks back said they already were recording the event. So we know that a certain elements are certainly going to be recorded. Um, but it was just when you mentioned that you could see something like Stage Manager working well with a headset, why do you think that would, that Unity would be so comfortable? Because I think that. It's sort of
1: difficult to explain because the way that Stage Manager is using this grid and the way that it moves windows around and there's this sense of depth with it, um, it it may work better in a 3D environment, um, is my thinking. Mm -hmm. Whereas with macOS, it requires this very precise cursor control, which you just won't really be able to get with a headset. Right, Um, right, right, yeah. And so I can kind of imagine snapping to a grid being more useful on a headset Mm -hmm. Um, And that sense of depth, because you really feel with stage manager that the windows are kind of stacked up behind each other um, in a way that on macOS, they feel quite flat. Um, So that's kind of is how it it makes more sense to me. And maybe, you know, in 10 years time, the macOS way of multitasking will have kind of faded away and everything is all in on stage manager. And we'll look back on this time when everyone was criticizing stage manager um, and, and find it quite funny.
0: Well, I'm beginning to wonder, you know. Well, I say within my lifetime, that sounds terribly dramatic, but I'm wondering how much the shift is going to go towards AR and VR in the next sort of 10 years. You can fully, it's almost like when the um, MP3 players suddenly came along and the iPods, people were very reticent. And then, well, how, why would you want to have a phone that can play music? We've got an iPod and people shift people's expectations and dimensions of what they want change. So as much as right now that AR and VR doesn't fit into our everyday existence, certainly AR, you'd have to say probably within the next 10 years there's going to be a large shift in our habits out of thought. You would think so um, and
1: that's certainly what companies like Facebook want us to believe um, I as someone that is is very immersed in this um, and I tend to have quite a positive outlook on what Apple is doing in the long term like with stage manager, I'm trying to be optimistic about it. Um, I am skeptical about AR and VR because I think that uh, I don't see how it's, it's comfortable or possible to look at a screen that is in, an inch away from your eye for mm. hours a day. People that in the real world are actually working at a desk, how can you sit at a desk for, for seven hours with a screen that is that far away from your eyes? How would that not be completely exhausting? Mm. That's why it may well be gla- AR glasses. That blur reality, um, that are a little bit more useful in that context. But headsets, I-, I think there's no way
0: they will still be for gaming and for more recreational use. Less yes, hours. And a as day. far as
1: Apple's concerned, I think that the headset could be a relatively short-lived thing for Apple. I think that it's it's effectively it will be a glorified developer kit. It will be a way for them to get their reality OS into people's hands for mm-hmm. them to be refining this technology oh, I see. Um, yeah, yeah. as a test. Mm-hmm. Uh, just simply as a test for the real thing, which will be the glasses. glasses. And that's why it will be priced where it is. There's no reason for it to be priced so high. But a, a price point that could be around three thousand pounds or higher. I mean, that's more than a Mac. Mm. So you're really going to just have creators, people that want uh, you know, it, it's gonna it's not gonna be bought as a toy in a way that you might, you know, treat yourself to an Apple Watch. You're not gonna treat yourself to one of these headsets. Um, And that's why it will be for developers, for people that are very interested in this next generation experience and are happy to have a first generation device that will be uh, incredibly temperamental. We know every first generation device. um, And they're already working on the second generation headset that will be lighter, will have improved battery systems, new chipset. We already know what's coming with the second one. So the first one, uh, is is going to be uh, a much more limited experience, I think.
0: It would be wonderful to be in that inside circle to know how far in advance they are actually working on things because it must just be an endless cycle, mustn't it? Well, by the time we see things, obviously the R&D team are done, bored, fed up with it. It was yesterday's newspapers. It's It just moves on all of the time, doesn't it?
1: Yes, I mean we've even I remember I must have been last year Ming-Chi Kuo who's the most uh, one of the most reliable I'd say he's mm-hmm. the most reliable supply chain source and one of the biggest people in in uh, revealing what Apple is doing behind the scenes. He talked about how Apple was working on AR contact lenses for uh, the 2030s. And you know, normally if I just saw that on Twitter I wouldn't take it very seriously, but when he's saying that someone that gets so much right with such precise detail, you think they really are thinking about this stuff so far in advance. Oof.
0: <laughs> Almost seems like a good point to wrap I mean, that's so far into the future. It's funny because in the last couple of moments of speaking to you, talking about the future, although we're actually talking about history, I can just see a Dalek looking at me over your right shoulder. Yes. I know yes. you're a massive Doctor Who fan. We talked about that before, and I've just suddenly seen this Dalek staring at me. That was my history. Yeah, so you're was the, my you're, the, you're the, first,
1: the first person to, uh, to to notice that, actually. In all the podcasts I do, I don't think anyone's ever noticed. I'm British
0: and I'm of a certain age. That qualifies me to recognise a Dalek when I see one. I can tell you that. So time I let you go and enjoy the weekend because it's going to be a mighty busy week for you uh, next week. You've got a big day coming up on Wednesday. It's going to be a long, late one as well because it's going to be six o'clock here in the UK that it all launches. You'll be writing away late into the evening trying to keep the feeds that's up to date as possible and then the, as you say the hard work starts after that with all the teardowns of finding out exactly what's inside of these new toys we have got so well I'll be interested to hear what you make of your iPhone 14 when you, when you pick it up the pro you're getting in yeah? yes. the pro yes it, it will be it will be and an Apple Watch 8 and a HomePod and <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll, we'll,
1: we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if we'll see. If I'm, just, I'm just writing I, checks I've for got, you. I've got point. my eye on the iPad Pro as well. No. So I, I can't, I must not ahead of myself.
0: Oh, and just before letting you go, something we spoke about just before we started recording was I know you're in the market for a car. And interestingly, one of the guiding lights for you was that the car would have CarPlay in it. And of course, not that I'm in a position to go and buy a Tesla this weekend, don't get me wrong, but famously, they don't have CarPlay. Which oddly would actually be a bit of a deal breaker for me. I've got so used to CarPlay in the car that I have, The convenience of it, um, I would not like to be without it now. And it's strange how something as seemingly uh, unimportant as the entertainment system in a car can suddenly play such a pivotal role. Have you managed to find anything that tempts you yet that ticking the boxes? Um,
1: At the moment, I think for any sort of Apple fan, uh, my best buying advice would be to look at BMW. And that is because they seem to offer the most integrated experience um, with Apple's platforms because they support um, CarPlay, Mm -hmm. but they support it a little bit more deeply than just being on one screen. They use it across both screens. They let you have Apple Maps in the instrument cluster. Right. um, And it's a true full version of Apple Maps. Mm. They also have CarKey, full support for the ultra wideband. So you, you can use your Apple Watch. Uh, to unlock your car unlock your and car, just walk yeah. up to your car with your Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and no other car brand is integrating quite as deeply as BMW is at the moment. So
0: that's that might just do it for me uh, with BMW. With BMW, I think. BMW, obviously you you looked at them by the sounds it, it, do you still have to connect the phone via lightning cable or is it wireless? No. No it will be it's wireless CarPlay. Um and right.
1: Uh, that is something that you know. All these auto manufacturers, they are all rolling out all of these features. So it's not unique to BMW, but mm. BMW mm. seems to be first mm. to doing these things, um, and is definitely uh, happier to offer a more closely integrated experience um, with Apple. You know, a lot of automakers think if they just give you CarPlay on the main screen Which is um, over them. a cable. And that's what I have at the moment as well, that that's all they need to do. But actually, there's a lot more Apple technologies that they can take advantage of. Now, the reason they don't want to do it is because they don't want to uh, allow a company that will become a competitor... To convince customers that they are reliant on Apple platforms, <laughs> so that then when the Apple Car comes out, they quite quickly leave that brand. So I do understand why some automakers are a little bit reluctant.
0: Yes, of course, because there was a major improvement to CarPlay announced at WWDC in June, wasn't there? I know it's going to roll out over the next little while. It's not come to fruition yet, but as you say, that almost seemed to be lining them up, getting ready for the path of, of Apple Car eventually. So yes, they will be competitors to them, won't they?
1: Yes, and the I I think that is even more worrisome to auto manufacturers. I'm so su- w- I'm I'm quite surprised. Those brands that are putting that in there, they're playing with fire because they'll they'll get my custom now. Mm. Um, but the split second that system is on an actual Apple car, providing it's affordable enough, a lot of people are going to just move instantly away, and you're you're allowing a rival company to. To get a serious hold over your customer base, mm, yeah, and Apple up. says they'll allow the uh, the brand to put their own branding over it. They'll mm. be able to choose the colors and put their own logo on it. But you can tell that there is something a little bit devious about it. And you know, you have to give Apple credit; they know that people will love using that system. Absolutely, uh, and it, it sort of it puts Tesla to shame, really, because they're they're offering something that uh, is so software focused. Um, you know, a Tesla can't compete with that sort of integration with your phone. The widgets, just the widgets alone for the, the apps, it's like uh, iOS 16 widgets on your your various displays of your car, and you can choose what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you can choose what's in your instrument cluster, just like you choose an Apple Watch complication. That's irresistible for a lot of people.
0: Absolutely. As I said to you, it would guide me now on the car that I look to buy next. I have got so used to my cars coming up to three years old, so clearly the technology would have moved on. In that period of time, even if I was to stay with the brand, which is a Lexus, but I mean, I've just got so used to that integration and getting in the car and having pretty much everything that I need suddenly on the car screen ready to use. It, it just works so well.
1: And of course, so many third-party apps integrate with it, which makes it even better. You know, if you use a third-party maps app, a third-party podcast app, mm. Apple's quite happy to give you that open experience there because they know that they're 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 hooking you in. That's right. Um, That's right. And even things like Siri that you can activate, whether it be with the the trigger word, which I won't say, or the uh, you know controlling it just from your steering wheel, the 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 level of integration is so
0: useful because that's where you really want Siri. Yeah, A- hands free. Absolutely. I mean, I had messages being read out to me in the car today, driving back here, and you know it's so convenient. Not only can you hear the messages? You can answer them back, and it's actually not bad. It's near enough, and I normally preface it or suffice it was saying this was actually done on <laughs> voice recognition but you know so if they are your the typo but it, it, it's so good and you don't have to take your hands off the wheel you can call people again we're just calling out their name bringing it up i'm absolutely hooked on it i really am so maybe evs is another podcast we can look to do sometime in 2023 but uh Hartley, as ever i can only thank you i know it's going to be uh your time's gonna be precious and spare this next week so thank you so much for spending this Friday evening with me as we look forward to Fire Out. Don't forget, in the UK, it's going to be 6pm this coming Wednesday. And uh, read Twitter, read Mac Rumors. You'll get all the good stuff from Hartley there and find out all the real details. Hartley, thank you ever so much, as always. Thank you for having me. So there you go. That's our take on what we think, at least, we're expecting to find out and hear about at Far Out. Don't forget, there's loads of ways you can watch the event live. It's going to be on Apple's YouTube channel. You can go to their website as well. Hartley will be busy writing live through the event, as you've just heard. I'm going to settle down after the event. I'm going to be taking notes through it and then I'm going to write a blog which you'll be able to find on Medium and I'll leave some links to that in the show notes for this podcast. So one way or another, if you do miss it at all, there'll be plenty of ways you can catch up with it. Don't forget, go and visit MacRumors website. All of the information about the event will be there as well. Thank you so much for joining Hartley and I on Minus 16 this time around and I'll be back with you in just a few short weeks' time. See you soon.